Welcome to Do I Need My Racket podcast, brought to you by In Her Name Foundation. I am Cindy Swain, your host, and this is episode number 11, Play On. Isn't that what life is all about? No matter what happens, we have to play on. As much as we want to or try to slow life down, dig in our heels, feel like quitting to try and stop it, life just doesn't do that. And that's probably a good thing. It forces our hand to play on, to learn, to love, to laugh, to cry, to play, to rest, to take turns, to share, to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Even when life seems perfect, we want to stop it. Stay in that moment just a few more beats. What happens when you have a chance to shoot the winning shot in basketball or tie the game with a free throw and you miss both? You play on. What happens when you are just off, off as a team? Your game is just off. You can't hit, set, or spike anything in volleyball. You play on. What happens when you have a chance to put the tennis match away in straight sets? Instead, you double fault several match points away. You play on. What happens when you don't get the job you wanted after making the second and third round interviews? You play on. What do you do when you lose someone close to you? You play on. Or what do you do when you receive difficult, life-changing news about your health. You play on. And playing on can be overwhelming at times, impossible at times, because life is hard and overwhelming, especially if we look too far ahead. Goals may seem unattainable, out of sight, too far to go. So for this podcast, I decided to take a look back. And look at all the previous 10 episodes and listen to them, highlighting these amazing people I have interviewed this past year, putting all our rackets together, recognizing their strength and treasuring their beauty. Because from time to time, we need to appreciate how far we have come and not how far we have to go. So Do I Need My Racket podcast actually started in July of 2022 as merely a thought in my mind. I knew I wanted to do a podcast, but past that, not a clue how to pull it off. 
I asked a few questions of fellow podcasters, ordered a microphone and a headset, tried to download some software on my computer, which didn't work. So I then went on to order an actual podcast soundboard. When it came, I knew I was way in over my head. But I had the thought if it didn't work out, I could always sell my equipment and get some, at least some of my money back. But I did soon realize I needed help. I needed someone that was tech savvy and had some musical experience. Tudor Big, yes, that's the guy, with both. He was a friend of one of my sons and had provided music for one of our In Her Name Foundation sports fairs. But would he do it? Well, when I asked him, he said, I've never produced a podcast, but I guess I could give it a try. He also said he was happy to meet with me and teach me how to use the equipment. I show up on his doorstep, equipment in the same cardboard box it had been shipped. The look on Tudor's face, as he shared later, was, what in the world have I gotten myself into? Well, we ended up spending several evenings together, practicing, Tudor figuring out the software and patiently teaching me how to record. We went from meeting in person to me independently recording, downloading the recording, timestamping edits, adding voiceovers, and then sending them back to Tudor for editing and publishing. And I am proud to say, to date, we have over 1,200 listeners. We are in 33 states and 10 countries. Our goal this next year is to reach 50 states and double the total countries to 20. If you're listening for the first time or are a regular listener, please share as we continue to grow the voice of women in sports. If you're listening and have a story you would like to share or be on a future podcast, I would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at inhernamefoundation.org or you can message us on our Instagram or Facebook page. Well, let's get started with the first episode called September 22nd, dropped on September 22nd of 2022. In this episode, I talk with my daughter, Jenna, about how I came up with the name Do I Need My Racket podcast and the purpose and meaning behind In Her Name Foundation. If you haven't listened to episode one, do, because it really does set the table for the remaining episodes. Listen in on our conversation about September 22nd in 1976. I, along with my mother, had just received news from the district attorney with the details of my sister Carla's tragic death. If we go back to that September 22nd, um, I had practice that day. Practice tennis practice. Day. Yeah. So, yeah. So, your parents are divorced. Your sister's dead. Your brother's gone. How are you feeling? What do you do? Where do you go from there? I was lost, honestly. Right. And I, I thought, well, you know, I got practice today. I really don't want to go because, number one, I have to play a challenge match. Don't want to do that. <laughs> After you had yeah. landed 18 on the list of 20. Yeah. Made the C team. Yeah. So um, I, I was just, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I thought, well, I'm going. I'm going to go to practice. And... You know, I, because I, I knew, I, can I, could I tell my coach I didn't want to practice? I didn't want to disappoint her. I didn't want to make my challenge match. So I, I thought, I'm going. And you know what I asked myself that day? What? Do I need my racket? <laughs> so that's where this whole theme and 
title of the podcast kind of comes to... Do I need my racket? Do I need my racket? Because it wasn't about my racket. The racket, yes, I did. I decided I needed it. I picked it up, but I knew I wasn't going to use it. But it gave me purpose. Yeah. And as I look back, it's like, yes, you do need your racket. Because sometimes you have to swing it and you swing and miss. And sometimes you swing it and you hit head on. Mm -hmm. And that's life. Mm -hmm. So I picked up my racket and I rode my bike to practice. And I remember riding up to the court, setting my bike aside against the fence. My tennis coach, Donna Cooper, called me over to her. And I really thought I was going to crumble. My legs were just shaking because I, I knew no how you manage that. I thought, I don't know. I don't know what I'm even going to say. And I didn't have to say a word, actually. She yeah. put her arms around me and said, you're going to get through this. Do you have faith? And do you have faith in yourself? That in time will get you through this. And I can tell you, 40-some years later, that is more true now than ever. More true now than ever. Because what Donna Cooper taught me was to believe in myself, that I could reach higher and do better. And yes, I could get through it with a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. So... Oh, gosh, you're really just pulling them out of me today, the waterworks. <laughs> so because she taught me to believe in myself, the start I moved all the way up to number four on the challenge ladder by the end of my freshman year and qualified for regionals. I didn't do well at regionals, but I made a lot of progress going from 18 mm-hmm. to number four, and I was on the varsity, from C team to varsity. Mm-hmm. Starting my sophomore year, I took over at number one singles on the challenge ladder and retained that all the way through my senior year. Woohoo! My voice just cracked. (laughs) Woohoo! Then October 1979, the fall of my senior year in high school, I won the state singles championship and went on to earn a full ride scholarship at Division I school, Wichita State University, to play tennis. But you know, the championship was great and the scholarship was awesome, but the most important thing that happened in that whole time I was playing high school tennis was the fact that my coach taught me to believe in myself. Yeah. And that and if she and if she hadn't and if she hadn't, you know, taken you under her wing, Lord knows where you'd be, right? I don't think it would have been a good outcome. Right. It, you know, tennis gave me purpose. My racket gave me a purpose. It was my life. It was my soul. It was my being. It gave me meaning. Truly. Truly. Therein lies the reason of... Why we're here. Why we're here. We need more Donna Coopers out there. We, we need, We need, especially now, we need people reaching out to young people to give them hope, to inspire them, mm-hmm. and um, so that they can... Uh, inspire others and that's the purpose of this podcast is to you know further episodes we're going to be talking to a lot of other uh young people about female athletes their stories and how that shape their lives Mm -hmm. and change their lives Mm -hmm. so you know that's this is step back to just talk a little bit about how we came up with the name of this not only did i say you know i asked myself on that day do i need my racket okay so you asked yourself do i need my racket and as the varsity tennis coach, um, varsity girls tennis coach, 
Is that the first time you've heard that sentence? Or no, I, I actually heard that a couple other times. <laughs> so this last spring season, um, in the middle of the season, on my way to practice, I had my backpack. On, on her way to tennis practice. Yes. To, I, the, with, to the courts. Right. I, with my backpack on, my tennis gear with me, I was stopped by a freshman and that asked me, Coach, do I need my racket? And I, and I thought to myself, what are you, nuts? <laughs> of course you need your racket. Uh, anyway, I, I just didn't take it real seriously until the second time it happened, which was after the season and it was the beginning of high school tennis camp when two more freshmen asked me the first day of tennis camp, do we need our rackets? Freshman, man. And I thought, well, of course you do. But I kept thinking there's something behind that question that I need to explore. Mm -hmm. And as I got thinking about my own story, when I was a freshman, I asked myself the same question. Right. So that's how we came up with the title. Out of all of that, I did play on and will continue to play on with In Her Name Foundation and this podcast. Because to date, as a foundation, we have donated over 200 basketballs, 60 soccer balls, 42 tennis rackets, 250 foundation t-shirts to the greater Lansing, Michigan area youth. We have also provided scholarships for soccer shoes, cleats, tennis shoes, basketball shoes, sports attire, and summer camp fees. And just recently, have secured funds to establish an annual endowed college tuition assistance scholarship that has been designated for a high school senior female athlete at my hometown high school in Hayes, Kansas, starting in May of 2024. This is in honor of my older sister, Carla J. Baker. And to that, I say, play on, sis. Well, that takes us to episode number two, Hannah's story. In this episode, I interview Hannah Bradford and her mother, Sarah. Hannah is just starting her senior year in high school, and the both of them share their thoughts and insights on what life is like living with life-threatening grand mal seizures. But most importantly, Hannah and Sarah share their hearts. Life is difficult and uncertain for Hannah, but she does not live with fear or trepidation, knowing at any time she could have a seizure, a grand mal seizure where she loses consciousness, motor control, and yes, it could be life-threatening. Hannah has to wear a magnet on her shoe and carries rescue medications in her backpack at all times. The magnet is to be waved over a nerve stimulator underneath her left collarbone to stop the seizure. If that fails, then it's on to rescue medications. I held Hannah in my arms during one of those seizures, needing to use the magnet and wait for the seizure to subside. This has not stopped Hannah from playing on. She believes what the world may think or say about her does not define or change who she is. Listen in on what Hannah and Sarah have to say about their rackets. You know, as we look at this podcast, and I, and I think I've told you about the name, it's called, Do I Need My Racket? And I came up with that because the question came up a few times. And if you listen to our first episode, 
you'll understand a little bit more about what that means. It, it doesn't necessarily mean a tennis racket. And you and I have had this conversation, I think, when we started talking about me interviewing you for this podcast. So if you had to kind of metaphorically speak about, do I need my racket? What, what would be your racket? How would you describe that, Hannah? Um, do I need to keep going or just rest? True. Maybe? Right. Right. Um, what about you, Sarah? How would you describe that? It's kind of a meta, it's a, it's a, it's a, Different answer for everybody. Um, so I think the thing as we move into the next stage, and I, you know, I might be jumping ahead, but uh, like in, in general, we we have conversations here about what that's going to look like mm-hmm. because it's it's a different situation when you have some health issues that could interfere with your safety. In some ways, like Hannah has us. And she needs to keep us there. Right. We're, we're in her court for sure. Right. Um, right. Uh, because we will continue and we have told her we're, we're always going to be there, whether you want us to be or not. But And if you need us, we'll be there in a heartbeat. So what that looks like, we don't know because we're going to have to just walk that road um, and, and go through that. But she does know that she has full support of us and that we'll continue. I think it's a... Um, it's a unique situation when you are given the, the the hand that Hannah has been dealt because you can do one of two things with it. You can move forward and not let it control every aspect of your life. So on the good days, we call it the good days when we aren't experiencing seizures, we live our life and we don't talk about our epilepsy all the time and we just try to enjoy life. And then on those hard days, they're minimal, like the amount of time that she's having a seizure when you look at it in the grand scheme of your day, but it does then affect the whole day. It sure can it does. for multiple people in our life, but it's the, the gifts outweigh the difficulty most days. Absolutely. So, um, uh, of that. And it just, it's a road that we'll just keep walking together. Yeah. And Hannah, I think you're going to put doubters to rest your whole life, you know, I think you, you've come so far that I think this guy's it's, it's unlimited for possibilities for you. What do you think about that? Well, I think, um, I feel like some people think like, I'm afraid that people see my seizures Mm -hmm. and I mean, it's a little concerning because like, what if they don't like me anymore? But I just try to think like, Well, what the world says about what I have doesn't change me as an individual. No, it doesn't. Um, Absolutely. And so... That's your racket right there, girlfriend. Yeah. That's your racket. I'm happy to report Hannah graduated from Lansing Catholic High School in May of 2023 and will be attending Michigan State University this fall studying human development. Play on, Hannah. Well, that takes us to episode three called Strike Three. In this podcast, I interview Rachel Turney Justice, one of mid-Michigan's greatest fast-pitch softball pitchers in a generation. Rachel was inducted into the Greater Lansing Area Sports Hall of Fame July 2022, and here are some of her stats her senior year in high school and on into college. 
Her senior year, she posted a .33 ERA, 494 strikeouts, three perfect games, and three no-hitters. Rachel went on to pitch for Lansing Community College and posted a record of 16 wins, zero losses. After that, she pitched for Michigan State University, winning multiple pitching honors and Big Ten honors. But standing in the circle and throwing her best pitch all became larger in life for Rachel. She needed to throw strikes of a lifetime against cancer. She was diagnosed with the BRCA1 gene, the breast and ovarian cancer gene. And after multiple tests and doctor appointments, Rachel had recently undergone a bilateral mastectomy and was scheduled for a complete hysterectomy the weeks following our interview. Through all of this, Rachel describes herself as being more than just her body. She says, I'm defined by who I am, what I do, and those around me. Listen to Rachel talk about her sports resilience that has helped her through these life-changing situations. Um, just, you know, the acceptance of a young woman such as you to have to deal with those kinds of issues, um, it's life-changing. It is. It's been a tremendous stress on my life, but it's nothing that I haven't felt, haven't been able to handle as a result. I really do attribute a lot of my resilience to the sports that I played growing up and those challenges. And again, as you said, the community that has really surrounded me and uplifted me and supported me. Mm -hmm. I mean, that support system is everything when you're going through these kinds of struggles and challenges. Sure. So it should be no surprise to listen to Rachel describe her racket. We get to the end of every podcast and you've listened to the first two and you know that the title is, do I need my racket? And I always ask, What's your racket, Rachel? If you had to think about it, it's metaphorical. It's different for everybody. But what would you tell everybody that what is your racket? My racket is my resilience to get up every day, to do my best and give myself grace along the way. Nice. Nice. And I think, you know, you've you've really had some hardship this last year with some health issues. And even though you're not through all of those, I know that resilience and that grace is going to get you through it in the end. That's the plan. (laughs) Yeah, I know it well for sure. Rachel stood in that circle and pitched another perfect game. She now works in Ann Arbor and is cancer-free. She says, I'm getting stronger every day, and I wouldn't be here today without the resilience I learned through sports and the support system I have around me. All that helps me reach beyond the hardship. Play on, Rachel. Well, on we go to episode number four, rainbows and basketballs. Ella Dunsford and her parents, Scott and Luann Dunsford, were driving home from a travel basketball tournament, and 20 minutes from their house, they were hit head-on in a life-changing car accident. Ella sustained a shoulder and head injury. Ella's dad, Scott, also sustained a head injury. And Ella's mom, Luann, had multiple leg and pelvic fractures, making it impossible for her to move or even walk. I interviewed Ella and Luann, and they described their rehabilitation process and how their lives were turned upside down and in directions they never expected. 
Ella shared her story in front of 300 community leaders at Michigan State University. And that's how I found her and caught up with her. Ella talked about rainbows and that there is supposed to be one at the end of every storm. However, she is still searching for hers. Ella eventually had to give up her life dream of basketball and that rainbow shot. But that has not stopped her from living life and finding a rainbow of a different color, a rainbow that's just as beautiful. Listen here to my conversation with Ella as we talk about that. What do you take away from that? Because there are going to be times where you're going to have to power through, you're going to have to work really hard, you're, you may not see the means to the end, but you know, what do you take away, Ella, from all of that that you learned in sports? Um, the number one thing that I've learned in um, sports is you need to have a support team. Mm-hmm. And if your team is strong, then you're going to be strong. So I, luckily, my parents are a really strong support system mm-hmm. and my friends are um, support, a really good support system. So um, I'm able to um, have my academics be almost to the level of where I want it to be mm-hmm. um, because I'm able to ask them and I'm able to get help and um, I honestly help them sometimes. Yeah. And listen to me describe Ella's drive and tenacity that she's going to take with her in life. But I know because I've seen you play basketball, I've seen you work out, I've done conditioning drills with you before, and I've seen the progress and the drive and the never give up. That's going to go a long ways for you, Ella, in life. If you can hang on to that, I know it's going to be a hard senior year not being able to play ball and seeing all those people play, but you've got something maybe that they don't have. You've got a vision for yourself in the future. Thank you. You're welcome. And here is what Ella and Luann have to say about their rackets. We're at that point in the podcast, and I ask all my guests, you know, the name of the the podcast is Do I Need My Racket? It means something different for everybody. I'm going to ask you both. You've had some time to think about it, but let's start with you, Ella. What is your racket? Um, mental toughness, because no matter where I ha- where I go, um, it has served me so much in my life that it's like I can't go anywhere without having to be mentally tough. Okay, very good. And Luann? I love the question because it is uh, a choice, and choice is my racket. So when I get up out of bed every single day, I can choose to be focused on the pain in my body or the fact that I can't stand up straight easily or whatever is going on, what Ella can't do, what Scott can't do. But I choose to focus on what we can do and I choose joy and I choose to serve. That's my racket choice. Ella will be attending Grand Valley State University this fall, pursuing something in the medical field. And I am sure she will take her racket of mental toughness and find many rainbows while she plays on. Well, now we're off to Alaska in episode number five, called Alaska and Back. In this episode, I interview Stephanie Smiley, an Eastern Michigan University first-team All-American basketball player, 
After graduating in the early 2000s, Stephanie left the state surrounded by water. Michigan, a peninsula state, home to one of the world's largest supply of fresh water. She moved to Metlakatla, Alaska, an island surrounded by water, where it rains 132 inches a year. Metlakatla is also the only federally recognized Native American Indian reservation in the entire state of Alaska. Stephanie shares what it's like to live and teach and coach on a rural Alaskan island. Here is Stephanie describing how to get on and off the island and where Metlakatla is located in Alaska. Metlakatla, mm-hmm. uh, I looked it up, is in that kind of part of Alaska that kind of drips down towards the United States, yep. just directly west of British Columbia. Yes. And it's an island, and it is uh, pretty isolated. It is, yeah. It's it, southernmost town in in, um, in southeast Alaska. Um, and so, yeah, it was about a, a, an hour and a half ferry ride or like a 15-minute float plane ride to get to Ketchikan, which is the, the next biggest city. Yeah. Listen to our discussion on travel on and off the island and what it's like getting to games and competitions. I, I think this is just something that people need to know what other parts of the country, what other kids have to go through um, that we take for granted. Mm-hmm. Most of us you get on a bus yeah. in maybe an hour ride, half hour ride, or we yeah. carpool with parents an mm-hmm. hour or two hours away. But how did you guys have to get to your games and competitions? What was the, your first mode of transportation? Well, first mode of transportation, and you know, you always went with the cheapest first, so that would be by boat. Um, and so... In the wintertime there, our our first ferry we'd have to get on is the one off-island, and that that traveled once off-island and back once a day. During the um, winter, during, during basketball winter, season. Yep, five five days out of the week. And how, how long of a travel was that just on the ferry? To um, get, you would get to catch a Just can. to get to catch a can an hour and a half. On a boat. Yeah, and if you had to leave on days it wasn't running, then you hoped the weather was good enough to get out on a float plane and, and take that to catch a can. So. And then from catch a can... You still, you might have played games in Ketchikan, but you still had other places to go. So what would you do from there? So Ketchikan was a bigger school than we were. So we didn't play many of our games in Ketchikan. We would do like more of the regional basketball tournaments um, or cross country or the the bigger tournaments. But we were going to communities like Wrangell, Petersburg, Sitka, Juneau, Haynes. Um, Haynes is the furthest north we had to go. It's kind of um, back on the mainland. um, And how would you get there? And so you'd either have to hop on another ferry, um, given all the stops you would have to make. Sometimes it's up to a 36-hour ferry to get to where you needed to go. Oh, my goodness. Or um, an Alaska Airlines flight. Yeah, and the kids, I guess they're just assuming that that's just what they have to do. So they, I I can't imagine, you know, I coach high school tennis, walking to Mm -hmm. the girls and go, all right, you know, we got a 36-hour ferry ride. To get to Portland. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but these kids just knew that's what they had to do. Oh, yeah. They don't know anything different. And so they had it down to a T. I mean, some of them were like, do you have your, your sleeping pad and your, your um, sleeping bag? Because you were sleeping on a ferry. They didn't get us rooms or anything on these ferries. So mm-hmm. you were just sleeping on a floor. When you get to your destination, you weren't just playing one game and coming home because you were trying to get the biggest bang for your buck. So you'd get there on a Thursday or Friday play a game, sleep on the floor. Next day, get up, play another game, sleep on the floor, or take off. Um, sometimes you'd try to, um, depending on where you were um, 
traveling, if there's a close neighboring city, maybe you pick up another game while you're in mm-hmm. the area kind of thing. But mm-hmm. um, a lot of sleeping on school floors, church floors, things like that. Yeah, so then how what would be the longest time? You, you'd have to maybe leave on a Wednesday or Thursday? Sometimes, yeah. And then come back when? Sometimes Sunday or Monday. Imagine 36 hours on a ferry or multiple ferries and boats to get to games, sleeping on the floor wherever you could find space. I don't know about you, but that definitely takes hard work, grit, patience, persistence to pull it off. But that's Stephanie. And listen in here finally when I ask Stephanie about her racket. Here's what she had to say. Very good. Okay, so now we're to the part in the podcast. Okay, I'm You're ready. ready. You're ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where I ask, Stephanie, what is your racket? You know, I, I thought about it. At first I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to say? And I, I didn't know, but you know, I'm going to say my work ethic. That's my racket. Um, you know, just kind of what sports has meant to me and kind of where it's taken me in my life. And just, you know, even when people tell me, well, you're not good enough or, you know, you, you don't have what it takes. You know, I wasn't always the most talented one on the court, but I just told myself I'm going to outwork everybody. Else everybody else. There. Yeah. I'm going to just out, you know, if I can outwork everybody, then maybe I'll be good enough kind of thing. And so, and, and, you know, to reach those goals, to be able to play in college and things like that. I mean, that's um, awesome. Yeah. That's a work ethic. Hard work. It is Stephanie Smiley continues that work today at Perry high school in Perry, Michigan, as a guidance counselor, listening and teaching play on girl. Now we're to episode number six, Beyond and Above. I took a road trip to St. Ignace, Michigan, LaSalle High School to interview Michigan High School Athletic Association Hall of Fame girls basketball coach, Doreen Ingalls. I caught up with Doreen on the same day of Hooping with a Cure, which is a fundraiser for cancer and also a doubleheader varsity girls and boys basketball game. This year, in their fundraiser, they raised over $35,000 for the local cancer center in the hospital of Mackinac Straits. It was an experience beyond words, as that night the entire St. Ignace community wrapped a blue blanket around her longtime assistant coach and husband, Doug, as he too is now receiving treatment for cancer. One of the special things they do every night before a pink game, as Doreen calls it, is if an opposing player is injured and unable to play, before that game even tips, that player gets an uncontested shot under the basket. Then the LaSalle or St. Ignace player does the same. That night, the boys' game, before it even tipped, the score was 2-2. I would like to add that that happens only at the pink games during hooping for a cure because in a previous podcast, I stated it happened at every game. Well, Doreen has passionately coached young women on and off the court and in life. And here is what she says one of her goals is for many young people. You're learning and my biggest goal is make your best better every day. 
All of this Doreen does from a wheelchair. Here's an example of her passion and love for the game of basketball. There's one other thing I think that just speaks to the testament of your excitement uh, with basketball. And we, we shared this a little bit ago was that you forgot at one point that you were in a wheelchair. <laughs> yeah. Talk about that story. Well, we were up uh, playing in the quarterfinals or it might've been regional finals, excuse me, regional finals. And um, it was back in 2010 and uh, Grace Wheeler hit a big three. We were playing Nagani. It was like a, you know, tie game. And it was at the end of the third quarter and she drains a three and everybody just stood up and started to clap. Well, I tried to, too. (laughs) So, but I just face planted. And so, and so we have. So when I asked Doreen about her racket, it should be no surprise. So if I had to ask you what your racket is, what is your racket? Passion. Passion. Yep. You got to bring the passion. You got to bring the passion no matter what you do. Doreen continues to passionately coach young people on and off the court and is heading into her 32nd season looking for her 500th win. And Doug continues to receive treatment for cancer. One thing for certain, win or lose, Doreen Ingalls will always play on. Okay, now we're to episode number seven. Do bullies really win? This podcast highlights competitive cheerleading, a sport that doesn't get enough recognition. It gets bullied, mocked, teased, and not taken seriously. I interview Kim Lindbergh, a high school competitive cheer coach who teaches her kids to stand up, use their voices, and push back on bullies. Kim describes what it was like to coach through COVID via Zoom videos and only having four girls, the minimum number to field a competitive cheer team. Here, she talks about some of her challenges. When teenagers don't know or understand something, their defense mechanism is to um, laugh, fun, make jokes, you know, ridicule, whatever it might be. And the girls have felt a little bit of that. And I don't know. Unfortunately so. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know if it was meant to be that way, but that's how they've perceived it. Kim also goes on to tell her team that when you can perform in front of a crowd that isn't supportive, you can perform anywhere. And I told them, if you can do this in front of a crowd that you feel uncertain about, Mm -hmm. then you will be phenomenal in your element. Oh, yeah. And they were. I love it. I just love it. I love watching those girls, too. I mean, if you have, you know, I'm telling the listeners out there, if you've not had a chance to watch these young ladies do their thing on the mat at a competitive cheer meet, please go. Go at least once, because I can guarantee if you go once, you'll be back, because you understand how hard they work. And it's just fun. It's just really fun to watch. We try to make it a fun environment, for sure. So if you can think of one coaching moment or one team moment that really sticks out for you, where you felt like you really did something amazing, what would that be? So it would definitely be that team of four during COVID. That is the single most hardest thing to do as a coach, um, to compete with the minimal amount of people you are graded on creativity on floor movement use of the mat Mm -hmm. all of these things there is no doubt kim Lindbergh is teaching her team to stand up to bullies use their rackets and swing them hard and listen to kim here share what her racket is so at the end of every podcast i always ask my guest 
what their racket is. So today, Kim, what would you say your racket is? The biggest thing coming to mind that won't leave my mind right now is perseverance. Perseverance. That perseverance. would be, uh, yeah, I could see that because you did persevere through COVID. Mm-hmm. And you made sure that those kids were taken care of. You made sure that your family was taken care of. Your kids that you left to move in with your parents, you took care of your parents. Yeah. And you still persevere today because you're back coaching a great group of kids and they're just, you know, doing better and better yeah. every meet. Absolutely. This this year is one of the best so far. So <laughs> do not give up. Persevere. Persevere. I like that. So do bullies really win? Well, not for the Lansing Catholic Competitive Cheer Team and their coach, Kim Lindbergh. Kim currently has 15 girls on the team, and they are persevering. Play on, Kim. Well, this brings us to episode number eight. Hey, coach. Hey, coach is an episode on coaching and what it takes to be a good coach, such as teaching sportsmanship, teaching practical application of skills, finding roles for every player, finding ways to bring the team together, and most importantly, teaching how to lose, to recover, how to pick yourself up and play on. In this episode, I interview Dr. Jennifer Roth, a Michigan State University Kinesiology Department professor who teaches and does research on how to be a good coach. Dr. Roth shares her personal experience with different coaches, both good and bad, which has inspired her to follow a career path in teaching about coaching. Listen in. Exactly. We need more people like you out there (laughs) teaching coaches how to coach. Really, honestly, it's just a delight to talk with you and speak with you on some of these issues because I really think... It's affecting sports participation because we don't have enough good coaches out there that are going to be able to link to those life skills. And we have a different climate now, even in 2023, you know, from when my kids were still in high school, uh, the, the parent role has changed and it keeps evolving and it keeps, I think, interfering or bumping up to where coaches really have the responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Parents want to take that over. Coaching is hard. We need good coaches, but coaches to be successful need support from other coaches, administration, and parents. It may seem like a daunting task to coach these days, but when you see a player or a team light up because they mastered something or won a championship, it is worth every minute. Dr. Roth is on a mission to teach us all how to be better coaches. And here is her describing her racket. So, Jen, if, if you could tell me, you know, it's different for everybody, what is your racket? Ooh. Um, I guess my racket would be, like, the opportunity that we have with sport and making that the best experience for kids. So just giving kids the best experience they can through sport mm-hmm. and how can we systematically work and learn more about the experience and train coaches. And I think it all goes back to the, the kid and their experience and how we can better serve them. Dr. Roth continues to teach at Michigan State University and keeps researching better coaching methods and techniques. And in her free time, she raises two young children who she wants to have the opportunity to play on with better coaches. 
Well, now we're moving on to episode number nine, dairy cows and basketballs. Well, dairy cows and basketballs, that seems like a really odd combination. But my interview with Lynn Althoff explains it all. Her two goals in life were to win a national championship and earn a collegiate varsity letter. Well, she did both in unexpected ways through hard work, faith, and a good support system. Lynn has Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, a connective tissue disorder that predisposes you to tearing muscles and ligaments with the slightest of movement. It changed her path in many, many unexpected directions. Her basketball career ended in high school, but her dairy cow experience extended into college. Lynn is currently working on her PhD in animal science dairy production at Michigan State University. Through countless injuries and multiple surgeries in long rehabilitation processes, with her resilience and faith, that has helped her be awarded an honorary Michigan State University women's basketball varsity letter jacket for her work as a recruiting coordinator, and Lynn went on to win a national dairy championship her senior year. Here is what Lynn has to say about her racket. So Lynn, what would be your racket? What's your racket? Yeah. So I've thought about this one a lot and I've kind of narrowed it down to two words. And I would say my racket is passion and faith. And those are kind of the two things that have gotten me through this journey. Um, And those would be my rackets. Lynn continues to faithfully and passionately pursue her Ph.D. studies at Michigan State University and passionately and faithfully pursue her path forward. Play on, Lynn. And now we come to episode number 10, our most recent one, How Kids Connect. This episode is about youth mental health. I interview clinical social worker and mental health counselor Jennifer Novello about how kids connect and why that is important. Youth mental health should be a concern for all of us. Anxiety, depression, and suicide rates in teens is skyrocketing. And this generation is all of our futures. Teachers, public servants, doctors, lawyers, nurses, plumbers, carpenters, and so on. We need to start listening to them and provide opportunities for healthy connections. Sports can do that if we act as role models and don't let our adultness get in the way. Be a good role model. Treat each other with respect. Learn to fail and recover. Give constructive feedback with compassion. Listen and help them feel connected to keep going. Here is what Jennifer has to say about connections. And oftentimes, when we're connected to ourselves and we're connected to our people and in our life, right, we just feel better. Right, we do. Kids, I, you know, have said this so many times, they need to feel connected, they need to feel supported, they need to feel a part of something. And when they feel a part of something and valued, it makes such a difference in their life. And listen here, when Jennifer describes her racket. Jennifer, if I ask you what your racket is, what would you tell the rest of us that are listening today? Well, for me, it was purpose and meaning. That's what my, my racket represented to me and still does. And you know, it's funny. The first thing that popped into my head was my people. It's connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. I can see that. I can see that in you. Connection. Because that's kind of the theme that we've been talking about this whole time is feeling connected, valued, and a part of something. I really, it's just sort of baked into who I am. But I also, you know, it's, it's funny when people who know me well will tell you that if, if I leave and go alone, mm-hmm. then they're worried about me. Okay. Because I don't do that very often. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you like to be connected. I have a high value for connection. Okay. Yeah. Very good. All right. Jennifer Novello continues to counsel people and helping them feel connected. And Jennifer Novello plays on. Purpose, meaning, what they may think about me does not define me. Promise, future, resilience, support, mental toughness, choice, grit, hard work, passion, work ethic, perseverance, opportunity, faith, and connection. These are all the rackets we have talked about this past year in the first 10 episodes, each defined differently and uniquely. They represent brushstrokes of varying, absolutely amazing colors. Put them all together and you get a painting. One that is abstract, but detailed and beautiful. It's one that's not complete, nor will the painting ever be complete, because there will always be room for endless brushstrokes of possibility and opportunity, reaching places beyond what one could imagine. It's a living masterpiece that loves, laughs, cries, and holds us all tenderly, unconditionally in its arms. It nudges us to pick up our rackets and swing, swing at life, hit or miss, because life is constantly moving on. For me this summer, I have had to swing my racket many times. The summer has brought its challenges, healthcare challenges. After multiple tests and doctor appointments, I finally have a diagnosis. Cervical myelopathy, which is spinal cord compression in the cervical spine that requires major surgical repair in a rehab process. It's a path I wasn't planning on, a diversion I did not see coming. I spent my entire professional career as a physical therapist putting people back together, but now it's my turn to get put back together as I look towards my surgery coming up on September 8th. I've had to step down from coaching tennis and I'm not able to do some of my favorite things. But one thing for sure, after going back and listening to the past 10 episodes, I'm leaning in on all you've gracefully shared with me from your heart. What a gift. It gives me strength and courage Thank you to all I've talked to, reached out to, and interviewed, and thank you for sharing a part of yourself. I know the future is bright and hopeful. I look forward to learning and hearing about many more stories in rackets. And I know now more than ever, I need my racket, as we all do. So let's keep swinging. And when each day comes to an end, be able to say, I am all I need to be 
because today I've done all I can do. And that is playing on. song called Play On is by my favorite artist and eight-time Grammy Award winner Carrie Underwood. It can be found on Spotify or on her Play On album. I'd also like to again thank Tudor Big from Big Sound and Lighting for editing and producing this podcast and for producing the original theme music. And thank you also to all of you who've been faithfully listening. 